You may think about zinc when your nose starts running, but you probably don't think about it much more beyond that. That said, should zinc be on your radar outside of cold season? What, if any, role does zinc play in your mental wellness? In today's episode, we dig into zinc and its role in our bodies. How much do you need? Where can you get it? And if you have depression or anxiety, could taking a zinc supplement help you? Let's find out. Today we are talking about zinc, Carolyn. Yes. Z-I-N-C, zinc. <laughs> Yay! Let's go. I've really actually liked zinc for a long time, to be totally honest. I know. This is one you've been wanting to do for a while. And we've been saying we should do another nutrient because our magnesium episode has been so popular. Yes. And also our ashwagandha one, which oh is Oh, my gosh. I don't know what's going on with it. But still, like, yeah. it, it, any anytime we cover, like, a single – I would still consider – ashwagandha like a nutrient like anytime we cover a single a nutrient, single thing a single thing the people really like it maybe we need to take note of that exactly <laughs> which is why we're doing zinc finally <laughs> okay so zinc is super awesome because there's really really great research around zinc yeah, but, but it's also when you forget about or i don't think about it naturally when i think of foods me neither like oh oh, yes, I'm getting some zinc here. I don't yeah. naturally think of that, even though I know what foods are good sources. You know, the one food that I always think about zinc with? I thought about you when I was pulling research. Oysters. Chicken thighs. Oh, chicken thighs. Yes. Oh, and oysters. Yes, for sure. But chicken thighs. Oh. Because when you work for over a decade for health magazines, when you write about chicken thighs – you sell them to the people because they have more zinc in them than chicken breasts. And America loves chicken breasts. But chicken thighs, chicken thighs are, so much better. are so much more delicious. Yeah. Agreed. I, I did not. Okay, great. I'll remember that. But I'm yes, oysters are an incredibly high source. In fact, they contain more zinc per serving than any other food. Yes. And you know that I love some oysters. Yes. So where else do we find zinc? Because like if you're not an oyster eating person like me... Um, you can also get it from most of your protein-rich foods, but like your meat, your fish, your seafood. Um, beef is really a mainstay when it comes to our zinc yes. consumption in the U.S. It contributes about 20% um, of our zinc intake in the United States. Yeah, because we really like our beef. Yeah. But also eggs and dairy are a great way to get them, although these days it's not very easy to find eggs at the grocery store. Um, but still, eggs and dairy. Yeah. Beans, nuts, and whole grains contain some zinc. But the bioavailability of zinc, meaning how much meaning the ability of your body to use that zinc that's in those is lower than from animal foods because of um some compounds known as phytates. Yeah. It's like trying to get iron from plant foods too. Mm -hmm. You're just way better off getting it from animal proteins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then breakfast foods are often, not all of them, but are some are fortified with zinc. And that can be a major source of zinc um, in some people's diet. Because yeah, we love breakfast cereals. I'm telling you, I think between my children's love of beef and breakfast cereals, I'm pretty sure that they're doing A-OK -okay on zinc. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, okay, so let's go back to why we need zinc or, like, what it does. It's kind of like one of those you know you need, but you don't really know why although COVID did make a lot people a lot more aware of its immune um, promoting role and abilities yes. um, 
But, you know, it's involved in over in hundreds of enzymatic reactions in our body, um, particularly DNA synthesis, wound healing. It's crucial in um, growth and development. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so really important when you're pregnant. Yeah. And then in younger kids. Yeah. yeah. My, the thing that I, um, you know, when I'm teaching Nutrition 101 and we get to like minerals and we get to zinc, I always try to give them something kind of crazy that they can like, that will make them remember that mineral or that vitamin or something unique. But um, the one, um, the thing I always tell them about zinc is if you've got a zinc deficiency, you lose your sense of taste. And so you may have learned this in um I forgot about undergrad, but like it's zinc deficiency is more common in older adults. And so like in nursing homes, that kind of thing, if they start saying they can't taste anything, that could be your cue. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Plus that nursing home food is pretty bland, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole other episode. Yes. 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 So um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the role of zinc with like colds and respiratory infections and what it can really do for you. And then we're going to jump into if it's beneficial to your mental health, particularly in regards to depression and anxiety. Yes. So typically what's recommended for men is that they get 11 milligrams of zinc and for women they get eight milligrams of zinc each day and those numbers I mean they probably mean nothing to listeners but as we start to get into what the research says about the health benefits of zinc and when we get more specifically into mental health um, we we can talk a little bit more about how what's recommended relates to those two values like, do we need to make sure we're getting the, that mm-hmm. that 8 and 11 milligrams? Do we need to be getting more than that 8 and 11 milligrams? That kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I, when I looked a little at American zinc intake, just to give people a ballpark of how we're doing, I found that it may be adequate to marginal. So, mm. you know, you're not saying you're deficient, but marginal is kind of like, mm. You could be doing better. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I mean, when we've talked about, like when we talked about magnesium, it was the same thing, right? Indeed. Right. Exactly. So. Okay. So is it true that zinc shortens or prevents colds and respiratory infections? Yes. Yes. It It is true. Yeah. So the research, though, doesn't, the research says that it doesn't prevent it, right? So like, during cold and flu season, RSV season, which um, we're still very much in, especially in other parts of the country that are not as warm as the deep south, but um, stocking up on it and taking it is not necessarily going to prevent you from getting sick. Uh, what the research has showed is that when you has shown, I, could I speak today, is that if you take it, it will shorten the duration of your yeah. illness. And in one study that I read, I found this interesting because this was the first time that I had ever seen this. They said that it didn't actually reduce the severity of the symptoms. So you still had the same like intensity of all the symptoms, but you just were sick for fewer number of days. Oh. I would have thought that it would have reduced yeah. symptom severity. But I mean, that was just one study, but still. Yeah, I- I'll take it regardless. So... Yeah, so it looks like studies said it may reduce the duration by maybe just one day, but up to three days. I mean, when you've got a head cold or something, 
I, I would take half a day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, anything. Yeah. Absolutely anything. Yeah. Um, so taking those zinc lozenges can help. Mm-hmm. Um, the, even the, uh, the action, like the, what's happening in your mouth, if you have those zinc lozenges, it can help uh, basically like block the viruses. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was reading about that. So so it like it's helpful to start taking those lozenges like as soon as you start to get sick. So would you recommend the lozenges over like a supplement? Like, yeah. For this particular? For this particular instance, yeah. From, from that like little tidbit that I read uh, for sure. Um, the problem with the lozenges, well, or with zinc in general, is that if you overdo it, it can cause like some GI upset. So yeah. that's kind of like if your stomach starts to bother you, maybe you just need to, to dial it back a little bit. But in these studies, they were taking these zinc lozenges like consistently throughout the day. It wasn't like just once a day yeah. that they took them. Okay. Um, so. Yeah. That's kind of one of those things you always wonder. Like you probably buy them, just hopeful that it works. So that's kind of nice to know that there's – it's doing something yeah. little for you. Yeah, it's doing something. And like you said, even if, you know, if you have a head cold, it's a big deal to be able to get rid of that mm-hmm. a little bit sooner. Yes. Okay, so, but what about zinc and mental health? Is that another reason we should be taking zinc or, you know, paying a little more attention to our zinc um, consumption through foods? And what we found was kind of interesting. It plays a bigger role than I thought. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's not as fully understood, but it's, I think, as you said somewhere, it's like the main mineral. I can't, I'm going to find it in a second, but it's like the main key mineral in our central nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like, I think the, the phrase that I saw was zinc is the authoritative metal that is present in the central nervous system. That's it. Yeah. And so this was, to give listeners a background, like we wanted to actually record this episode last week, but we started to dig into it and we didn't realize- It was um, a lot. That it, yeah, we didn't realize the role that it plays in your brain. And so that was the part I feel like this goes back to like, we just really are not taught about as dietitians. I mean, I and if we're not taught about it, I wouldn't think that really any other health professionals no. taught about it, that we're really not taught about- the role that nutrients play like directly in your in your brain and in your nervous system and this was one where as we started digging into it we were like oh wow like we totally need to dig into this a little bit more. and we really I'm gonna just group you in here but like I really have to like take a time out and be like and understand the biology the chemistry the physiology of this little whatever aspect of the brain we're looking at. It's so complex. It really is. And there were, so some of the other paragraphs that we have, like in this section, you know, Carolyn and I have our recording notes here, right? I mean, one of these, these two next ones here, I had to read them like three times. Uh, me too. To really, and we will not read them no. to, to you guys. But it's like, basically, so the first layer that we found out was that, so you've got this zinc coursing throughout your body, right? But there are these high concentrations in your brain. Like zinc actually concentrates in your brain, which is parts involved in emotion. Exactly. And I was like, wait a minute, it's in your brain. And now we're talking about it's involved in your, it's concentrated where you have emotions. So if you want to get 
more nerdy. It's like in the um, hippocampus, the frontal cortex, the amygdala, the olfactory bulb. But anyway, these are parts of the brain because they're emotions. These are parts of the brain that we talk about a lot on the podcast. Yeah. Or at least we talk about like different different things are happening in these parts of the brain. I had no idea that there was so much zinc in these areas. Me neither. Me neither. So, okay. Um, what do we need to tell them from this complicated stuff? There's research suggests that zinc may act as a neurotransmitter. Um, and that it is needed in our emotional processing, which obviously makes sense as it's in the emotional parts of the brain. Um, so it, it seems to be involved in a receptor in the brain and then that receptor plays a role in, um, some of our depressive like behavior. So what they, it gets, it, the receptor from what I read is like GPR 39, which I mean, let's be honest, I don't fully understand that, but because zinc binds to that and then that triggers other signals, that's how zinc operates as like part of that like neurotransmitter in the brain and obvi- and then in this like particular receptor that plays a role in our depressive like or lack thereof behaviors. Yeah. yeah. Very so good. I am sure that I have butchered that in some capacity and some neuroscientist is like, hold on, let me fix this for you. But generally speaking, there's some zinc, zinc in the brain and you need it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good way to sum it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's look at depression. Yeah. So we looked at depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Oh, I didn't see you added that. Okay. I added that one in my mind. Okay. Sorry. I didn't write it down. Okay. Well, Brittany, Brittany, listen up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was just thinking, too, we may need to call Nicole, our previous guest, who lost her sense of taste, um, because you mentioned the olfactory bulb. She may need some zinc. She may need some zinc. Exactly. Okay. So the exact role, Briarly explained a little bit, but the exact role that zinc plays in the development and just the pathophysiology of depression is still parts, a lot of parts of it are still unclear. But what they do know is there's an inverse relationship between zinc and depression, which means, or what they found is that depressed patients or depressed subjects who ranked as being depressed on the scales, the test, whatever they were using. Um, the higher to the depression, the lower the zinc levels or the yeah. zinc intake. Yes. So in, they're going in opposite directions. So you would guess then that the lower the depression, the higher a person's zinc intake or the healthier a person's zinc intake. Right. That, yeah. That? No, you got that right. Okay. And we've talked about that as it relates to both magnesium and vitamin D. Oh, yeah. Because in people, that's the easiest way to, to look at an association, right? Yeah. So we can't say a lack of zinc causes depression, and it's the same thing with vitamin D. But it's just really, really interesting that when you take a group of depressed individuals, their levels of zinc and vitamin D and others that we've talked about are low. Yes. Compared to individuals who don't have depressive symptoms and they have normal to elevated levels of zinc and vitamin D. Right. Exactly. Now, they did, I did read about a study where they gave low zinc diets to mice and rats and they developed depressive like behaviors, but that 
that's just kind of like the next step in the research. Like they're not gonna ah. they're not gonna take individuals to try necessarily. to show a positive right relationship. Right. Interesting. But, but that's that's normal in nutrition research where you start with an association and then you start taking your animal subjects. That's pretty though interesting though that you could start feeding an animal a low zinc diet and it develops depression. Mm-hmm. Which still, I'm perplexed by how they test depression in rats and mice. But oh, it was like something about like, like tail movement and swim tests, or I don't know. It was something like that, and I was like, okay, well, hmm. clearly this is not how you test for depression in adults or in in human subjects. But so if you know, we there's this association which makes you think, huh? If I have depression, or you know, I'm prone to depression, maybe I'm good now. Like, should I add? A supplement of zinc or should I be taking zinc so you know can taking zinc actually help with depression help manage it yeah so it this is where the research gets um a little fuzzy fuzzy thank you I was gonna say dicey but it's not dicey because the research was good it's just it's fuzzy it's not super clear so you know there is some research that shows that if you add in a zinc supplement, it can reduce your depression severity. Um, and it also can be helpful in terms of like improving outcomes in patients who are taking, who have, have, um, some antidepressant treatment resistance. Yeah. I saw that too. And you know, that's probably a topic we need to look into is treatment resistant depression. Yeah. Cause I don't know much about it, but there was something else recently that we found that was beneficial for those. Yes, um, I know. And I can't remember what it was, but we did talk mm-hmm, about it on mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, there also, I saw, I saw something in one of the, one of the bigger review studies. I think Carolyn, it was that, that really awesome one that you found that literally looked directly at zinc and mood disorders. And it said that, um, being low in zinc can impair the effectiveness. It can it can make your antidepressant medications Ooh. potentially less effective. So being just getting adequate amounts can help that. That makes me want to take. Some I know, zinc. right? Can can make your antidepressants. But I do want to say, and we're gonna work. probably get to this later. Like this doesn't mean you just go like crazy with your zinc supplementation. Correct. And, and we'll get to that because there are side effects of too much. So just be aware of that um, if you're like, because I'm kind of like, oh, I might go pick some zinc up. Right, right, exactly. So there was a study that found that um, it looked, it was like 450 depressed patients. And when they got a zinc supplement, they did report uh, like fewer depressive symptoms after after taking it. And they were taking an antidepressant and when they started taking that zinc, they saw that's when they saw the reduction in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's super I think of the conditions that we said we were going to talk about like depression, anxiety and bipolar, depression seemed to have the most benefit mm-hmm. from what we read. Yes. You know, what this makes me think is I was reading that vegetarians and vegans are at higher risk for not getting enough zinc because Mm. of the phytates and the compounds that lower its bioavailability from food. And then animal sources are some of your great best sources. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, and then we did an episode on vegetarian and vegan diets, and it suggested that, you know, strict vegetarian diets were not 
beneficial for your yeah. mental health. And it makes me wonder, like, does a lot of this stem from the lack of zinc? Yeah. That, I mean, that would make a lot of sense to me, at least. Um, so, yeah. And vitamin D, too, because oh, yeah. the limited sources often come from, yeah, you know, animal products. Okay. What did you find out about anxiety? Okay. So anxiety was, to me... Like my summary of it, and I'll go through a couple of things. My summary of it was it's very similar to other nutrients or foods that we've talked about when we look at depression versus anxiety. It might look promising for depression, but when it gets to anxiety, it's just there isn't enough statistical significance. You're so right. A lot of the stuff we find is pretty clear cut that there's benefits to depression, but anxiety is kind of more wishy-washy. Yeah. I wonder if it's because anxiety can look like so many different things. Well, and I was actually thinking about that when I was driving over here to the studio. I was like, all right, why is that? Like, maybe we need to dig into, like, what happens um, biochemically, physiologically with anxiety versus depression. Like, why does anxiety seem to be, like, more resistant to the kind of things that you and I look at? I am wondering more, though, if it goes back to the diagnosis of anxiety and, like, I feel like it's easier to recognize depressive symptoms, Mm -hmm. anxiety symptoms. Like, I was reading something last night. There was an Instagram account called Anxious Moms, and it was, like, you know, like, what anxious moms look like on the outside. Yeah. And it was, like, calm, collected, on time, like... It was pretty much me. This is Karen. And then the other side, I'm going to have to post this. The other side, it was, hold on, let me pull this up for a second. So it says, how I look on the outside, outgoing, punctual, driven, detail-oriented, helpful, loyal, calm, organized, friendly. AKA Carolyn. Yes, you just (laughs) described yourself. All the qualities that make you fantastic. Okay, how I feel on the inside. Overthinking, yes. Catastrophic thinking, I I don't have that. Mm-mm. Seeks reassurance, sometimes perfectionist. Yes. Oh, yeah. Negative self-talk. I I don't really feel like I struggle. To, I mean, there's always some, but repetitive habits. i got to have my routine. Yes. Can't sleep. That's not me. I can't sleep. Second guessing, yes. People pleasing, yes. Yes. And this was on Anxious Moms, what it's like living with high-functioning anxiety. And I read it, and I was like, this is me. And then I was like, wait, I'm doing pretty good right now. Like, yeah. I don't think I have any, like, real problems with anxiety right now, but evidently I do. So what I'm saying is, like, maybe they aren't because we're kind of limited in our scope of, like, the symptoms and how we classify anxiety. Yeah. We aren't using anxious moms yeah. Um, yeah. account. Um, maybe we aren't really pulling together a population that is accurate that it's encompasses all the aspects of anxiety right does that make sense yeah yeah exactly for sure that totally makes sense to me um which then would also explain why when you and i look at either dietary changes or lifestyle changes as it relates to anxiety we're like i mean they've studied it they looked at it but there's no significant findings right right like all these things like most of these things that i just listed you would never go to the doctor for no or if you did they would be like you need some self-care. Yeah. Or By yeah. the way, go listen to Medical Gaslighting episode. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, these these negative things I might like, be like, I need a girl's night so we can talk about this stuff. You yeah, know? But exactly. I wouldn't think I need a prescription for anti-anxiety medication, you know? 
Correct. Anyway. Yeah, you would not. So, really, when it came to zinc and anxiety, um, they, you know, they tested it. There, there were tests where they looked at um, postpartum women, and they gave some. They looked at their zinc and magnesium levels, um, and what they found was that magnesium and zinc didn't help with postpartum anxiety and depressive symptoms. And that's like a, a usually like a good concentrated mm-hmm. population where you might be able to see like a shift, right? Um, there was another study where they looked at stress in women and zinc was one of the nutrients that they studied and they found it didn't do, it didn't do anything. Um, and then there was another study, a, rev- a review study, and in that they found that there was an association between less anxiety and micronutrient supplementation of zinc. But also what they found in that was they also looked at eating more fruits and vegetables, omega-3 fatty acids, like just an overall healthy diet eating breakfast. Um, there are some other random ones in here. And then they looked at zinc, magnesium, selenium, probiotics. So basically another recommendation to eat a freaking healthy diet. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, yes, that was positive. That includes zinc. Right. <laughs> but so the thing too is it's like, look, taking zinc for, I don't, it's, you're going to have to do something else when it comes to anxiety. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to do something else when it comes to depression, too. But the research is just not strong enough. Right. That that zinc is really going to move the needle yes. when it comes to anxiety. Zinc could probably definitely be a complementary therapy to whatever your medical treatment is for depression. Yes. Zinc probably wouldn't hurt anxiety, but I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it's a complementary therapy. Right. No. So... Then bipolar. But suck on some lozenges. I know. It might just, help. It might help. It might help. <laughs> um, okay, but then bipolar, which I didn't put in the notes uh, here, was basically what I read was there's not enough research on bipolar and zinc. They just they, It just really doesn't exist. Uh, there was one mention of a study where they said that they measured zinc levels in the depressive phase and in the manic phase. And in the manic phase, the zinc levels were a little higher. But that doesn't that doesn't correlate to, like, taking a supplement yeah. or anything. Like, that – I mean, that goes back to what we were saying where there's research studies that show people with depression have lower levels of zinc than people without depression. Yeah. Um, so I did think it was interesting that they had a few studies on, on bipolar, but – I, I think that's also something you and I have found w- when it comes to, like, lifestyle stuff and bipolar is every – I feel like lately at least, every time we're like, there's just not that much research. Yeah, or it's just a lack of conclusive. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of all over the board sometimes. Yeah. Which I know has got to be the really frustrating thing about bipolar. Right. Yeah. And I imagine it, studying bipolar is also not easy. Very true. That's that's a good point. Yeah, there are so many variables to account for, depending on like where somebody is. Yeah, and is like think about it, your bipolar. sample, like you can't catch them all in a manic phase at the right. same time. Right, and there are different types of bipolar. Yeah. So, 
Um, okay, so what did you find about how much we need to take, or, or do we have an amount, or... So I found one really interesting, very recently published um, review that gave an overall recommendation. So the World Federation of Societies of Biological Psychiatry and the Canadian Network for Mood and Anxiety Disorders got together, got a task force, and spent like two to three years coming up with the these recommendations or reviewing they reviewed mood disorders and what they called nutraceuticals which is like you know vitamin and mineral supplements and um you know everything from magnesium and zinc to like ashwagandha and that kind of thing anyway so here's what they found about zinc they quote unquote provisionally recommend it for mood disorder conditions um, and they said that you could do doses at 25 milligrams a day. And so provisionally recommended basically means that the research is promising. Um, there were meta-analyses that were done and there were some randomized controlled trials that were done that all showed like positive benefit of taking zinc for mood disorders. But, um, there wasn't enough evidence to get like that recommendation, like that full blown yeah. recommendation. And so the differentiation really was just like the volume of positive research findings. Yeah. Well, and 25 milligrams falls within the safe level. You just, for adults 18 and up, you don't want to go above 40 milligrams oh a day. i'm glad you looked that up and um teens like 14 to 18 it's 34 milligrams don't exceed that um and then for kids um it, it's a good bit lower so don't be giving your kids the same zinc supplementation that you're taking you might be giving yourself yeah. yeah um so overall it seems like it could be a nice complementary therapy for depression I'm kind of like, why not? Yeah. Um, other, it, we know that it's beneficial for your immune system um, more in the shortening duration, but but zinc supports your immune system generally, right? So you don't want to be low in zinc for immune function. And it looks like a lot of us could be falling slightly below what's recommended. Right. Or adequate. Right. Yeah. So, but then again, you can always get it from food, but I don't know. Yeah, I think like, I'm going to go buy some zinc lozenges. I mean, why? Do you think those can work for depression, too? <laughs> Maybe. And just suck on those all day. Yeah, why not? Or until I hit my 25 max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until you hit your 25 max. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we dug into this. Me, too. Me, too. I think it's really interesting. So, I also, but I, I know we always say this, but I really want listeners to tell us if there are other supplements, nutrients, whatever you know that they along those lines because i'm also thinking about like the ashwagandhas of the world uh we that need to find they want us to look into episode. yeah what do y'all want us to look into i feel like saint john's wort was like had its moment already yeah but yeah do people take that anymore? i don't know if people take that anymore i've gotten a lot of questions lately on or not a lot but two to three people which when two to three people bring up the same thing to me right on spirulina mm. um I, like I mean, I don't know. So y'all let us know. And we will 
happily cover it. Yes. Okay. See y'all next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye! The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.